It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one, one blimey minute, minute at a time. time. Seriously, the synchronization, people are going to think we're weirdos. <laughs> we're already on the verge having a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast. That doesn't make us weirdos. Oh. What are you talking about? Obsessed much, maybe, is what we should say. No. Okay, whatever, but when we synchronize it, then that puts us over the edge. You're the one that synchronized it. I started it. No, that's my introduction. I still don't understand why you're trying to hijack it. (laughs) Does that make you feel better about yourself? Yeah. Well, then there you go. That's why you're doing it. Yep. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. And no, we're not twinsy bobs here having to finish each other's sentences or talk at the same time. We're not? No, we're not. Oh, So let's think about that next time. Oh, I'll try. And make sure we're not wearing the same clothes either. That would also be good. No matchies. Thanks for joining us for minute 135 of Curse of the Black Pearl. Just in time before we wrap up the Curse of the Black Pearl, I decided to throw our show into the Instagram scene. Yes, nothing says perfect marketing timing, (laughs) like actually jumping onto social media platform just as the season is coming to an end. That's a little odd. Yeah, it is a little odd. The good news is that once we get fully up and running, we'll have plenty of pics and screenshots to share given we have at least 143 of them that we might as well use besides on Facebook or populating our post that go along with each episode. So the screenshot for today will be a picture of the credits? Well, there are some that do that. I know Star Wars Minute will do that and stuff. They show that. Huh. But I figured... I might as well go find some other screenshots and things in the movies, just kind of random it up that we didn't use. And so I didn't want to do that, especially since a lot of people like to share and look at the pictures that we share on just the regular Facebook page. I didn't want to be giving them credits and be like, what is this? Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. So that's why. Even though it's more appropriate to share something from the minute, but I opted for the... People like to look at Keira Knightley and Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp. So let's give the people what they want. Barbosa too, but I don't know if I had any Barbosa picks in it. That's why I didn't say him. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to make an all-day project out of going through that. It's ridiculous. Well, that's true. But give us a follow on Instagram. You can find us at Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show. Yeah, I had Minute, but then I changed it. And perhaps that's a teaser of things to come. But you'll just have to wait to find out and see how things are evolving. Or growing, I should say. As we will, of course, still be in the movies by minute genre and coming out with Dead Man's Chest for season two. <laughs> but did you get lost there? You weren't sure what Dead Man's You know what? Actually, you I've were started, talking about because they came out with Dead Man's Chest and then they throw out Dead Men Tell No Tales. It's like a menagerie thing going on in my <laughs> mind. It just confuses me sometimes because then I try and say it really quickly. I'm like, which one came first, the chicken or the egg kind of deal? And <laughs> I end up. Saying the wrong one because Dead Men Tell No Tales we talked about so much recently that I automatically want to default to that. And plus, it's kind of a big part of the movie. 
Dead Men Tell No Tales, or the ride, I should say. Yes. So yeah, follow us at Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show. And like I said, maybe there's something else on the way. Some news that we will be sharing probably next week or the week after when we actually wrap up with the final stuff. You're going to share that news with me? No, I'm not going to share that I news with you. I figured that much. Well, you'll go around flapping your jaws and letting everybody know, giving out all those spoilers on the show before we did that. We saw that already. So why would I fill you in I on anything give else? give out anything that anybody didn't know already. That's possible, but I still like to keep it in a shroud of darkness. And I'm also thinking of using this kind of winding down time as we're wrapping things up with Curse of the Black Pearl to get back to posting some best of clips on SoundCloud. It's been a while since I've added any new ones to the channel, so more to come in a few weeks probably. And of course, join us on Facebook and as well as our Cursed Listeners Crew group. Those are my social media plugs for the day. What about a Scott's blooper reel? <laughs> Some... <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice, but those just don't exist, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now, Heather's blooper reel. No. You it's have more amazing. Than I do. But these shows are like 25 to 40 minutes. They're usually in there, but they probably average around 30 minutes. But our actual recording time is four hours per episode. <laughs> and then I have to whittle Heather's stuff down to that 25 minutes, 30 minutes, so you guys could hear and comprehend something. As opposed to just craziness. No, because you just make fun of me and you leave it in. Any bloopers you make, you pull out. That is a blatant lie. <laughs> no. And I accept your apology. <laughs> There's no apology there because it's the truth. You can't mislead people. That's not the truth. It is the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, I can. In the previous minute, because I'm now moving on, because I don't like what you're saying. Uh-huh. Captain Jack Sparrow shows he's just like the rest of us. Forgetting the words to a song we've heard a thousand times before, and in order to pretend our memory isn't failing, we try to pass things off with a mix of hums and lyrics, like we are taking some sort of creative approach that only true music artists would understand. And yes, that's exactly what I'm doing when I do such things. I take that creative approach. I know all the lyrics. Not only that, he's too proud to ask for directions, so checks his compass for the proper heading. Hey, just use the Maps app on your mobile. Come on, just do it. (laughs) We're not heathens here, right? And neither are we egomaniacs that feel we need to plaster our names all over a recently blackened screen like Gore Verbinski, Jerry Bruckheimer, Brian Morris, Penny Rose, and a handful of writers that seem to have to throw their names up in the billing and the credits. We're not like that. No. These credits brought to you by Scott and Heather Artis. (laughs) Minute 135 begins with visual effects supervisor John Knoll fading out. Music by Klaus Bedelt revealed... And followed by music supervisor Bob Badami. Badami. Bob Badami. <laughs> Badami. Nah, it's got to be Badami. The minute ends with the credits adding and Jonathan Price, which is followed by Treva Etienne and David Bailey, then Lee Ehrenberg and Mackenzie Crook. What a way to wait to end a minute on Mackenzie Crook and Lee. No, oh, that is a good Ehrenberg. I, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You can't go wrong with Pintel and Rigetti. No, you can't. I just wish the credits were something more exciting, like the credits in the recent Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Right? all kinds of craziness going on. I'm a little jealous now. I'll say it. Now, that's a hell of a credit to break down. You got dancing characters. You got other characters popping up. The words that Groot is going all over the place. All the words are changing into from Groot to something else. That's some cool stuff. Yeah. What do we get? We get black screen, but at least we have an end credit. Some of those guys out there don't have any end credits. Now that's just pitiful. It's blasphemy. I completely forgot to finish my bullet point with something in yesterday's credits, though. 
I started to mention it and then went elsewhere. And it was probably you sidelined me or something. I can Never. only imagine. But I had a question. I was wondering if you had the answer. And this is my first mistake, asking if Heather has an answer to a question. The initial credits, or I should say the initial billing that happens here, says based on Walt Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, there's the Walt Disney Company and all kind of subsidiaries. But what I found intriguing was that it specifically says based on Walt Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, not Walt Disney Company or Disney Enterprises or Disneyland, any of that stuff. It says Walt Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. So are they giving some special credit specifically to Walt himself as this was the last ride he oversaw? Or is this how they actually credit Disney for some stuff that are based on characters or rides that they've created? That's what I wanted to know. I don't know. I did a quick review for The Haunted Mansion. That was another movie-based ride that I could find. And it came out in 2003 as well. And I checked the credits, and the end credits specifically, on YouTube. And didn't see anything saying it was based on a Disney attraction, let alone Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion. So perhaps a special shout-out to the Walt, the mouse, the man of the mouse himself. Because Because it was his last... That's what I'm wondering. Right. Is it really like that? Because I would expect something like based on Walt Disney's enterprises, or is it just Walt Disney? They're just shortening it. Walt Disney Companies. Yeah. I'm is not... it just because it sounds better? Walt Disney Companies. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Walt Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. It sounds better, but yeah. I was just wondering if there is a a shout out there. So I thought that was interesting, and I'm sure maybe if somebody knows on Facebook or out in the listening audience, they could share. In our group or on our Facebook page, it'd be interesting to know if they have any insight on that. But I couldn't really see if that was a specific reason that they did that or if it was just, this just sounds too clunky if it's Walt Disney Companies. But then again, it's not like they're saying dialogue or something. You think that for the official, this is what it's based on, that they would put the company or something there. But I don't know. Yeah. I like to think because of Walt. It's a nice and thought. And him being the last, I think it's a nice the last ride. Whether they actually did that or not, it's a different story. But it, it is. is a nice kind of ode to Walt, if you will. A tribute to him, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Tribute. Yes, a tribute. I like better that. Than better ode. than ode. Ode sounds like a Shakespeare play. Ode to Walt Disney. But now that we've got that rehash out of the way, I think we can focus on some blazing pirate excitement in this minute. Yeah, the credits. Blazing pirate excitement. Wow. There isn't even flames going on. It's just a black screen. Oh, there's flames. Flames in my mind trying to (laughs) wrangle you on this. So the excitement, and you can hear it in my voice. Here we go. And actually, there is something interesting, because the real star in this credit minute is, of course... Badami? No, but I do like his name, actually. (laughs) No, you're saying it. Bob Badami. (laughs) Almost sounds like a Swami kind of thing. An Aladdin thing. Bob Badami. Bob Badami. Do people just call him by his full name just because it's it's fun? Hell, I would. Bob Badami. Bob Badami. I wouldn't even try it. I'd have it like it's all spelled together. I wouldn't even put a space. Bob Badami, please. No, it's Bob Badami. Bob Badami. You talk to the guy. Hey, Bob Badami. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's not Bob Badami. Oh, okay. It is visual effects supervisor John Knoll. And his credit continues from the previous minute. And upon further checking out, he is quite the interesting guy with one hell of a track record. John Knoll. Which is why I gave him the real star of the minute designation here. This guy is a master at visual effects. And not only that, imparted his genius upon the world. He changed the world in regards to visual effects. And I don't say that lightly. Really? Oh, yeah. How did he change the world? Thank you for asking. I was sitting here long enough. (laughs) Maybe I'll cut that. Long pause out? Yeah, and maybe I won't. And then people go, what is he doing? She 
didn't even have time to answer. Yeah, that's because I cut it out. But literally, it was probably 10 or 15 minutes. No. During his last year at UCS Film School, Noel took an advanced animation class where he built a motion control system from an Oxbury animation stand, an Apple II computer, a milling machine controller, and a bunch of industrial surplus stepper motors. You got that? Not really, but okay. That's like MacGyvering something together. Yeah, was he got gum to hold it all together? It's like Kirk on the planet and he's fighting the Gorn captain. And he has to build... Are we getting off track here? No, go ahead. He has to build a weapon to defeat the lizard man here, this Gorn. And he then gets all the materials together to really create kind of a cannon, a gun. Create some gunpowder, if you will. I thought he just knocked him over the head with a rock. I don't know what you're talking about. So impressed by the student film that was actually generated from his class project that Industrial Light and Magic hired Noel as a technical assistant for motion control photography. Awestruck by his visit to ILM's newly founded computer graphics department. Did you say ILM? ILMS. Industrial Light and Magic. I shortened it. Oh, okay. That's what people use these days. ILM. I did it the first time just so people like you could get on board. And then I shortened it, thinking that you'd catch on, and I was still proven Well, wrong. no, you shortened it, and then you went blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what I did. I Noel took up computer graphics as a hobby, like I said, after he visited their gra- computer graphics department. And here's where things go nuts, and he changes the world for all those wannabes like me. Teaming up with his brother who is working on his doctoral thesis in computer vision at University of Michigan. Now, that's a hell of a thing, computer vision. Only in the days of old could you take a master's course in or a doctoral program in computer vision i don't know what computer vision would be that's not shocking to me actually but you got to have a vision of where computers are going what can it do oh okay wow the two created photoshop in 1987 adobe freaking photoshop yeah i just said freaking there this guy and his brother created the gold standard for visual effects and visual effects at home for all of us wannabes out there that are doctoring up fake photos for the world to see (laughs) creating internet memes Viral photos. Yeah, you can thank John Knoll and his brother for that. And then he decides to settle down, because if that wasn't enough, as Chief Creative Officer, Senior Visual Effects Supervisor at Industrial Light and Magic. I said it that time so you didn't get lost again. I didn't. No, never mind. Apology accepted. No, it wasn't, because you muddled it all together. And his credits span work in the Star Wars franchise, Harry Potter, Star Trek... Mission Impossible, and other franchises as well. So in 2007, he won an Oscar for Best Achievement in Visual Effects for Dead Man's Chest. Of course he did, if he did all that other stuff. And then, there's me. But since I'm not one to brag, I'll leave my credits aside for now. You probably should. I wish I hadn't already used my apology accepted within the last minute, because that would have happened right there. Apology accepted. I'm gonna send you to the deep. (laughs) But what's crazy is when I was actually researching him... And I went over to IMDb to check it out. Because he worked on the Star Wars Special Editions in, that came out in 1997, stupid IMDb had it listed there as 1977. Like, that's where he got his start at ILM, working on the original Star Wars. And, 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 and then he wait, was... What? what year was he born? In the 60s, so he would have been like 14 years old. <laughs> I thought, my God, am I a loser? <laughs> This guy's creating Star Wars at 14. (laughs) I'm sitting here just twiddling my thumbs. And that's a euphemism. Seriously. (laughs) Then I go, oh, the special edition. There you go. So he was just a little bit older than he actually was. Okay, 30 more years or whatever that would be, actually. 20 more years. But still, 
Star Wars, come on. And you're still twiddling your thumbs. Walk the plank. Now you can wipe that tear off my eye. (laughs) And I so wanted to. (laughs) You're just asking for it today. Of course, I know it's no big change here as we're moving to somebody that we've already established we have a fond relationship with. Me? Hell no. Oh. Bob Badami. Bob Badami. Badami. Music supervisor. And he actually, this guy trumps John Knoll on his achievement here. And I'll get to it. So you just hold on here because this is an achievement like no other. Okay, can you multiple times throughout the story of him, can Say you Bob throw his name in there? Maybe I will. Music supervisor Bob Badami is kind enough to introduce himself in this minute. Now, he has a movie music rap sheet that stretches all the way back to 1978. Ah, the good old days. And has consistently been in the business ever since. And he managed to return for all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, including Dead Men Tell No Tales. So... He's a franchise... Extraordinaire. Yeah, exactly, if you want to call it that. Now, there are a couple of things that struck me while looking through his IMDb page. His name? Not his name. That would be additional. So, in addition to being a music supervisor, he's also serving as a music wrangler or score wrangler. And I thought, what the hell kind of cowboy job is this? Wrangling music? Come on. What is this? (laughs) Seriously, music wrangler? Yeah, what's a music wrangler? That sounds like somebody made that up. Yeah. What do you do? I'm a music wrangler. Oh, I see. Uh, huh? And you just shake and nod your head and you walk away and go, that guy's full of S. <laughs> From what I found out on Wikipedia, because I did have to find out what exactly this entails, in the film industry, a wrangler is one who professionally searches for and handles particular products on film and television programs or music videos, such as custom cars and animals, and obviously, music. Now that's a job, searching for music to include in movies. Huh. Comes home from a long day at work, takes off his hat, knocks off the dirt on his duster. Hard day at work, honey? Yeah, that music doesn't wrangle itself. <laughs> ah, he's the cowboy of the music world. But How much music do you have to listen to to decide what you're going to add to the, what needs to be added to Oh, that movie? guy is so fake in it. He's just got the headphones on all day. Babadami! <laughs> Bob Adami, wake up. He's all, no, I'm working. I'm listening to music. Yeah, (laughs) sure you are, Bob. The biggest thing I did note for Bob in his IMD page, yes, Badami, this is still the one, is his profile picture. And this is where things blow John Knoll out of the water. He's a doppelganger of Bernie. And when I say Bernie, yes, that's Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. We're not talking Bernie Sanders or anything like that. Nothing trendy. This is 1980s, maybe? We can have Bernie's 80s. Had to be 80s. Late 80s. Late 80s. I'm going to guess late 80s. Like 89. 89, 90. 89. That's my guess. Seriously, though. I think someone is trying to pretend this guy is alive. I think (laughs) Bob Badami, he's gone. He's departed the world. What year did you say? 89. 89. Yeah. Man, sometimes I just wish that I could use this superpower for, like, making money. But it doesn't work. (laughs) And maybe this somebody who's walking around with this guy wanted his job and now just... Takes Bob Badami, the corpse of Bob Badami around, out to the music ranch to lasso some tunes or something like that. And I'll post this photo on our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group. Maybe I'll splice it together with John Knoll's Photoshop. And you can see a side-by-side of Bernie and Weekend at Bernie's Bob Badami. Yeah. This is insane. These two are twins. It's bizarre. You got to see this. I'll post it and then you can let me know what you think. But I think he was the one who inspired Weekend at Bernie's. The look for Weekend at Bernie's. 
It's complete with the stash and the same glasses. I'm almost wondering if somebody used Photoshop to make him look like Weekend at Bernie's. Maybe because he's wearing a sombrero. I don't know what's Did going you see on there. That? Yeah, I saw the sombrero. But I'm just telling you, this guy's Is that a mustache spit- real? It's a spit. No, I think he's dressed up, but still. This That's guy is funny. Weekend at Bernie's. And I don't know if I can get over it. I'm going to see that all the time now. That's pretty funny. Good job. Something a little more boring, though, that we see in the minutes is Ronna Cress, and she's the casting director. It's kind of rude of you to call her boring. Compared to Weekend at Bernie's and Photoshop <laughs> Man, who works on all these visual effects. I mean, come on. There's no comparison there. But I still thought I'd give her a shout out. Ronna Cress, casting director. And really, casting directors just kind of select the talent they feel are most suitable for the job based on their promos. Headshots, demos, and reels, and all that kind of stuff. And then they schedule the actor and hold auditions for the directors and the producers to check out these actors that come waltzing in ready for the job. So she's the hiring manager. Kind of, but she doesn't even really do that. She kind of wrangles all the actors. Oh, she's the... She's the wrangler. She's the actor wrangler. Yeah, and then the producer and the director come in and see... I mean, she probably does like with extras and that kind of stuff too. And they don't see everybody. But for the main people that are acting, then... Like Verbinski or Bruckheimer and stuff. They're they're not acting. Have a part in that. I didn't say they were acting. Except they, for the main people that are acting, like Bruckheimer. Then, and Verbinski. They can then see that you're not paying attention. I was. How dare you? Generally speaking, though, the final casting decisions, like I said, are ultimately made by the producers, directors. I'm sure Johnny Depp has a role in that as well. Make sure he gets along with people. Exactly. They got to have chemistry, you know. The idea is that she basically shapes the initial pre-production of just about any project, especially when well done, because by design, casting agents then elevate any production with their experience, insight, and ability to articulate the project demands of to the talent, and then they kind of bring that to the producers, writers, and directors, so they might have more of a better idea of what's going on with these people when they bring them in Hmm. and give them that insight, so they're at that kind of process. So now that we did our plug for casting directors there... And I only did that as a plug, so maybe they will go, hey, did you want to be an extra in the next Pirates movie? There and I'll go. say, yeah, that's why I, I gave do. you guys a shout out. All casting directors, from my heart. Now, this is where things get sensitive. What's up with Kohler and Cotton getting a higher billing than Pentel and Rigetti? And when I'm saying billing here, because I know you're a novice at this kind of stuff, billing are the names that come first, if you will. And then we have the credit roll. Right? So you got billing and then you got credit roll. Those on the higher scale come before the title. Then you got the ones that are after the title. And then you roll to the credits. So just so you know what's going on here. But it's odd given that Pintel and Rigetti have more of an integral role in the movie. Yet they come after Treva and David who play Kohler and Cotton. This must have been like part of the negotiation process for them when they were coming on board. Oh, huh. Because as a rule, the most important cast and crew members are featured in the opening credits, but we don't have any opening credits here. And then every single person who worked on the movie is listed in the closing credit crawl. Much of the producer's work in assembling the credits is done for them by union agreements and talent contracts. The major film unions then have a lot to say, and actors and directors have stipulations in their contracts about exactly where and how they should be placed. So it's basically like a fill-in-the-blank job for the majority of the crew credits when they have to do that. But there can be a lot of ego stroking involved in placing the major players into the sequence, like where they're going to go. And we see a lot of that here. Like I said, Kohler and Cotton come before Pentel and Rigetti on the billing. But some of that changes when we actually get to the credit roll, and I'll bring that up. Yeah, which is crazy. 
And during all of these credits, whether it's the billing and then the credit crawl, the music that's played throughout the credits is actually called Credit Suite, which is not very... Sweet? I don't know. It's not very creative. But it's a seven-minute mix that plays during the entire credits. It appears as track number 13 on disc number two of the film's complete soundtrack, but it doesn't actually appear on the official soundtrack, so you won't see it there. It's a mix containing the following tracks. Jack's Plan, He's a Pirate, She Goes Free, and Moonlight Serenade. So you hear kind of all of that going on there. Not all at once. It's not like some jumbled (laughs) craziness. Yeah, It's actually kind of one after the other. They mix them kind of in together, so... That's what we got with that. Okay. What's better than music is I thought that... Muzak. Not Muzak, which is crazy because there's this little restaurant we go to every once in a while. And their Muzak station is still playing freaking Christmas music intermixed with other music. It's like you're sitting in there, I'm eating my tacos to Jingle Bell Rock. And I'm like, why is it summer and we're playing Jingle Bell Rock? What the hell? And the restaurant wasn't even open at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somebody's played a mighty big Muzak trick on those guys. But... I thought that the other lists that we had the other day, these 39 thoughts of after rewatching Curse of the Black Pearl went rather well. But again, I only have my own vote, so maybe you guys didn't like it. And then that's too bad for you because I'm bringing another list. But this one's really, really short. It's only seven. It's seven pearls of wisdom from Josh and me Gibbs. And I thought we could do that while we're ending the show. We can go out on a Gibbs a high, high note. note. Exactly. It's bad luck to sing about pirates. Especially in a natural fog. Yes. Number two. Follow these rules, by the way. Yeah, you should follow these rules. It's bad luck to wake a man when he's sleeping. Yes. It's bad luck to bring a woman on board. Of course Even a miniature one. Yes. Give nothing back. Take nothing. That's a solid piece of advice there. Don't give anything back. Be daft like Jack. Mm -hmm. There is, for sure. Remember to keep to the code. That's number six. And number seven, any man who falls behind is left left behind. behind. That's right. That's why often you're waving your arms at me when I'm driving away. <laughs> I just leave you behind. <laughs> <laughs> Running down the street. Scott! Well, All the neighbors hey, think I'm absolutely crazy. Hey. If the crazy fits, then you should wear it like you do. So that's all I got today. That's all I got for in-credit jovial festivities. Wow. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Oh, yeah, I do. I have a little tidbit on the editing that Gore Verbinski did. Okay, hit it with us. Hit it with us. Hit us with it. (laughs) With the shoot only wrapping up four months before release, Verbinski spent 18-hour days on the edit, while at the same time spending time on 600 effects shots, 250 which were merely removing modern sailboats from the shots. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But I remember that he was saying about how... Many ships would constantly be passing by or boats or something, especially when they were on Rum Runner's Isle, Petit Tabac, that there was a lot of just tourists and boats and ships that were out there in their shoots because how can you control that? And then everybody wants to see this giant pirate ship barge thing out there. Did he start angry, like yelling at them? I would have been. <laughs> Get out of here! I mean, they should have had like wranglers in the water, like yeah, trying to keep boats away. Actual Put a bunch pi- of sharks in the water or, or fake some ones kind of at least. Pirate smaller pirate vessels that they could just like start chasing people and shooting fake cannons yes. at them because. Just to get him out of their shot. Yeah, because that'd be ridiculous. That would be. That'd be crazy. Spending that much time just trying to get those ships out of the frame. Yeah. That's crazy. So that's all I got. That's it for me. That's all you got. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 136 of Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, 
Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.